just address the claim that trans kids lose all their hobbies? Because I will point out that when they try to have some, like, I don't know, school sports, for example, <laughs> a bunch of asshole adults try to keep them from doing it. Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. Opening up with the news and notes this week, the voice you just heard. Last week tonight's John Oliver on his show this past weekend and continuing the trend of cis allies who are stepping up to the plate and stepping in the game for trans rights. Oliver, this is nothing new. He's done that consistently on his show from the beginning. But he's also was joined by people like John Stewart a couple weeks ago on The Problem with John Stewart, who not only talked to a group of parents of trans youth, but also went to Arkansas, sat down with the Attorney General of Arkansas, held her feet to the fire for the anti-trans legislation that's been passed there and is currently being fought over in court, not by snark or witticisms, but by doing something that, frankly, network-level journalists should be doing, actually asking the hard questions and keeping policymakers accountable. Also add to this list, earlier this year, Veronica Ivey on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Are we getting the pattern here? And the pattern is this. The common denominator of these three, who are probably the most trusted anchor men on network news, even though in their real jobs, they're comedians, is that in each case, they have voices from trans people and voices who are close to trans people. And in the case of Noah, allowing a trans person to speak for themselves about their experience without someone who's decidedly anti-trans, my challenge to the producers of the major network nightly news shows, to the producers of, of shows such as Nightline, to their credit, Nightline's done a pretty good job with this, and to the lead producers of 60 Minutes. Step up to the plate and do the jobs that comedians are doing right now. Hashtag just saying. Next up, let's go to Michigan. And I wish I was talking about the great job that the Wolverines football team's doing this year. Um, Maize and Blue are a, com are a contender in this national championship hunt. Yes, Chelsea Poe, I said it. Yes, Lane Ingram, I said it. But there's something happening in Michigan that you got to talk about, and that's House Bill 6454. This is a bill currently winding its way through the legislature just in time for the elections, which would amend the state's child abuse laws to include helping trans youth access gender-affirming care as a form of abuse and a subject to the child abuse laws. Now, the person who came up with this is a representative named Ryan Berman. True to form, he's a Republican. Transphobia or a stronger America. I have a challenge to Representative Berman. Representative Berman, this this bill is your idea. So as before you go full bore and pushing this thing through the legislature, I want you to go to Lansing. Take a little drive to Lansing. In fact, that's state capitals right down the street. I want you to talk to a guy at Lansing Community College named Lane Ingram. Run this idea by him. See what he thinks about it. Oh, full disclosure, 
Mr. Ingram is a trans man. And he has some very definite opinions about this law. Be ready to have your edges snatched, because he will give you a piece of his mind. Then, Representative Berman, I want you to I want you to get in touch with with the aforementioned Ms. Chelsea Poe. Yes, Ms. Poe, she's kind of difficult to find. She's always on the go. She's kind of busy, but she is a native and proud Michigander. You know, run this idea by her. See what she says. Warning again. She's trans. She has opinions, and she's going to give you a piece of her mind. You were warned. Oh, and Mr. Berman, there's one more person I'd like you to talk to. Uh, I want you to, and I know some people we can make this happen. I want you to talk to some to uh, talk to a person named Kimberly Shapley. Kimberly Shapley is a mom. She's a mother of two. One of her children is trans. Your law would call her an abuser for affirming her child to the point where when the state she was living in proposed a law like the one you're proposing, she moved her family half a continent away to a place where her child's rights would be protected and she wouldn't be called an abuser for doing her job as a parent. Representative Berman, there's your challenge. Talk to them. And the Association of Ringside Physicians had their convention in Las Vegas this past weekend. And what is it about Las Vegas and anti-trans activity? Who knows? But it was interesting that the conclusions they came up with. Um, in this presentation, they had some prominent ringside doctors. By the way, that's what this organization does. They accredit the people who are the ring who are at the ringside of boxing matches, MMA fights. These are the people that you want taking care of you if you get knocked around a little bit too much in combat sports. And their conclusion is essentially that trans women aren't women, cis women stink at sports. That's what a lot of the that's what a lot of their conclusions came down to. We're going to put what their conclusions are in the liner notes as well. The interesting thing is something that MMA fighter Alana McLaughlin pointed out when she asked how many transgender athletes were invited, how many transgender people, how many physicians specializing in transgender health care, how many endocrinologists. You flew in terse from the UK with a clear ideological bias, though. Case in point, and this was confirmed, one of the speakers at this, at this particular discussion was Kathy Devine. Now, Kathy Devine is an... It, fancies herself as an independent researcher in sports policy. She's also been a known turf or gender critical or whatever they're calling those types of people in Britain these days. Her views on trans people have been well documented and well known. I find it interesting that anti-trans voices again get a platform in talking about trans people, but trans people don't get a platform to speak for themselves at a group's meeting that's directly going to influence sporting policy. This year, that seems to be true to form. And last but not least, want to say a little something about the, the, about the latest hysteria, the latest smear and fear. I'm talking about this Ulta boycott. Now, 
if now if you if you like your makeup, chances are pretty good you're going to an Ulta store somewhere near you. The the beauty supply chain had a social media feature called the Beauty of. It's with noted hairdresser David Lopez, and this particular edition had Dylan Mulvaney on it. Now Dylan Mulvaney is a young trans woman who documented her transition on TikTok. She's got eight million followers including some notable names like Lady Gaga and yours truly. Dylan's a little camp, but Dylan is mad cool. I like listening to what she has to say. And she had a lot of good things to say on the beauty of. But true to form, whenever trans people have joy about being trans people, you can bet anti-trans voices getting a snit about it. And a lot of people did, so now there's this hashtag Ulta Boycott. It's pathetic, really. Transphobia. It's why we can't have nice things. And with that in mind, I'm bringing on our guest this week. This week, we got somebody who's getting it done on the golf course. Um, there is there's a young man at Milton Academy in Milton, Massachusetts, who, well, let me put it this way. He is a king, and he can swing that thing on a golf course. His name is Real Pearlstein, and Rio has had a great last couple years on the on the high school and the junior level links across New England. In 2020, he was the NEPGA Junior Tour Player of the Year. Three events, two victories. Three elite events had a third and three top tens. And just the and this past summer, he went to the New England Junior Open and won it. And that's only the beginning for a young man who's going places and a young trans man who's going places. But here's the interesting thing. This young man at Milton Academy is playing on the girls' team. Very interesting, to say the least. But enough about that. Let's bring Rio on. We're beaming him up from Milton Academy, Milton, Massachusetts. Rio Pearlstein, welcome to the Transporter Room. Energize. Thank you so much, Carly. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And I'm looking at some of your tour rankings with the New England PGA. And from the looks of things, you've been kicking butt for a long time. I mean, I see a lot I see a lot of first, see a lot of second, see a lot of third, see a lot of top tens. What is the strongest part of your game? Um, thank you for the introduction, too. That was very flattering. Um, I think the strongest part of my game is probably my chipping and um, the game that I'm building off the tee right now. Um, I think that, along with my strategic game, has really grown my game in the past year. Um, one part of my summer when I was about 12, I decided the only thing I liked, um, of practicing for golf, I guess, was shots within 30 yards. And I would spend so much time practicing all of these chip shots. And so I've really grown my, my short game and my, um, my chipping and pitching. And then I haven't hit a driver until this year. I think from 2019 to 2021, I did not hit a driver. Um, because there were some manufacturing issues with my driver, 
that I was unknowing of and um, basically wasn't working out. And then this year I've implemented driver back into my game and, you know, I, I have a lot of power. So that's really affected my game as well. And then I think the, the piece that kind of ties it all together is starting to come into the game with real strategy and thinking about um, making numbers and making smart plays. I think that's also something that's transformed my game. Now, I just picked up clubs for the first time this past spring and summer. And I'll admit it. I can uh, I can partially understand why this game is so much fun, but I can also understand why Mark Twain called it a good walk spoiled. What got you playing golf at the beginning? So, um, actually, so I've been at Milton since kindergarten and they used to let us out really early in the summer, earlier than most elementary schools. Um, and so everyone in my grade kind of went to the same camps and I ended up going to this Ponca Pog, um, like kiddie camp, uh, for golf where it introduced me to the sport, um, in first grade. And I absolutely loved it. And I went home and I told my parents, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to play this sport forever. Um, sign me up for another week, please. All of that. And, um, I asked my dad to go out on the course with me and he was like, no, you can't go out on the course. You're too young. You're not good enough. If we need to go out on the course, we would need to go out at like five o'clock in the morning. You would need to wake me up that early. And the next morning I walked over to his bed at five o'clock in the morning and poked him on the shoulder until he woke up and we played golf. And I think that's kind of where everything started. Morning. Can you beat dad now? Oh Yeah. That ship sailed. <laughs> what was it like to remember? This is the same person who said, "I don't know if you're going to be good enough." What was it like? Be what was it like the first time you beat your dad? Oh, I remember. Um, I remember we started kind of going out and playing, and at first we would get people being like, "Oh, um, he should be teeing up on." teeing up on the fairway don't let him tee up from the real tees it's gonna take too long things like that um and my dad would be like oh no it's fine and you know my, my dad is is a very casual golfer to say the least he started in his 30s and has played a few times a year really since then um and uh i remember then getting to the point where like we kept score a little bit more and I think I was maybe 12 when I beat him for the first time. And then it was finally all the people that joke around, Oh, can you beat dad? Um, and my dad was able to confidently say yes. And I think that was a really good feeling. How has the game played into your transition? How has golf affected it? Oh, that is so much. I mean, golf, golf is the reason that I haven't physically transitioned in the way I would have liked to. Um, I, so I, I started coming out to my friends and uh, identifying as trans um, about the fall, end of summer, going into my freshman year. And I was really nervous to come out. I didn't know how everything would work. Um, and I had all of these high hopes. And I pretty much stayed completely closeted until September or October of sophomore year. Um, and then I came out. And at first I didn't really like tell all of my golf friends, but then some people knew. And if you're familiar with, I guess, just the general demographic of golfers, um, they're not always the most 
woke accepting people um to be nice about that and i i think i was nervous because um some of my closest friends i knew uh, we just had this like there was just kind of an unspoken agreement that politics and um really i guess social issues were off of the table at golf tournaments because you didn't want to kind of break the only friendships that you could have at these events i mean we're all seeing each other and so i was really nervous about how they would take me since i had like heard a bunch of homophobic or transphobic um insults and jokes already through my through my golf career at that point um so i guess you know um i came out and i thought about what i need for um for me and for all of that uh transition wise and i am someone who has excruciatingly bad dysphoria um i am pretty much in distress about how i look uh how i sound all of that um all of the time and the one thing that is ncaa division wide um is that Trans men can compete on women's teams, uh, but they can't if they have taken uh, testosterone for any gender-related purposes. Um, and that really played into my transition because I obviously I wanted my first step to be testosterone. Um, it makes stuff a lot easier. I was still at the point where I possibly had growth left. I'm I'm short, dude. I'm five five. Um, and I would absolutely have loved to maybe creep up to five seven, five eight, five nine. Um, but now my growth plate's diffused. Um, so I know that that's not gonna happen. And I'm watching, you know, puberty happen to all of the kids around me. And before it was a little bit easier, people being a little bit younger. But now it's like I'm the later of late, and it's pretty obvious. Um, but I'm choosing not to take tea because of golf, because I've had this dream to play collegiately. Um, since I was about six years old, um, since I was starting and, uh, I think I, well, I knew I was too late at 14 with the current day and age of recruiting that I could not transition and Im initially be, uh, competitive and restart my entire resume as a 14 year, 15 year old. And then especially after I came out as a 16 year old starting, all over again and having to wait for the effects of tea i knew that um it just wasn't possible to be recruited um while transitioning so it played a huge factor now let me make sure i got this right going back for a second to 2020 you are you're the tours player of the year how did you deal with having the success on the course with how you were feeling off of it um it's it's tough you know i think there's something that's super gratifying about seeing a victory and the year before that i had a, re a really tough time you know i was going from doing really well as a 12 year old in the 13 and under division in any pga and i was a kid that played 20 tournaments and 
did well medalist in all of them. And then I went at 13 and decided to age up to the 14 to 18 division. I started playing some more difficult tournaments. I played the NEPGA two day tournaments. I started playing challenge cup, junior tournaments, mass golf, and it was really a slam a little bit. You know, I, I wasn't expecting the level of competition, um, and how much more difficult the courses would be, let alone adjusting to an 18 hole course. And so as I, when I was 13, that was really just a year of adjustment for me. Um, and then going in at 14, I finally got to see some of that hard work pay off. So it was, you know, tough to try to, to try to balance, um, the whole, oh, I'm finally seeing my hard work from the past few years pay off and, oh, but I have this different path. So I, I think I kind of blocked my own social transition and my physical transition and really only I guess like my feelings of self all out. And I was just focusing on golf and how I was as a player and my resume. And I think I was really honestly removed from my physical self. At what point did you say, I can't be dead name. I have to be Rio. It came down to freshman spring. I think I was having a really hard time with my mental health. Um, and that's when I was kind of realizing what dysphoria was. I think um, before I had kind of like been in this stage where I think that um, if you're someone who has dysphoria like I have, you may have experienced this as well, where you can be kind of caught in societal norms and beauty expectations. And so you can almost play a role of someone. And um, what you don't realize is then all of your feelings somehow kind of seem numb to you. So, like, I didn't realize that I didn't really experience, like, happiness because I was experiencing everything and kind of blocking out that dysphoria. But I knew that I felt like I was living life through a TV screen. And that's the only way I could describe it. Um, and then I had a great physics teacher. Um, they're doing their uh, PhD program right now um, at University of Minnesota. They were great. Um, and... I met with them uh, talking about my gender identity, my name and all of that. And they were like, okay, well, why don't we start with a nickname, a little chunk of your dead name and um, let's call you Re for class and just see how it feels. And so that's what we did. And just in my physics class, I went by Re and it was easier to learn and it was easier to socialize and it was easier to like feel like I was actually there and um, was fitting in and was able to participate in class. Um, and so then I, I kind of knew that that summer was a point for me to try to figure out how I wanted to navigate all of the new things I had realized. On a memo to all the people who said that social transition and affirming care don't matter, I want you to... I want you to, if you're listening to this, uh, hit the rewind button and hear it one more time. I want you to really hear what was just said there. Because first part, when you were talking about that numbness, did that even extend to holding up the trophy after the 18th fairway when you won a tournament? Did that Was that numbness still there? Oh, yeah. I think that extends um, everywhere you are, you know? Um, if you're wearing that skirt and 
you're looking the way you are and you're being crowned as like spoken as is like the girl's winner for today and um everything around you is so gendered especially in golf i i think it's hard to to be truly present um no matter what the height of the situation is what do you do to do how do you cope because that's a lot that that's a lot there yeah absolutely i mean i think uh getting acceptance from people that i was playing with um is huge I think, like, there are small things, and it, it took, I mean, I've been out for just over a year now for it to everyone, um, and it definitely takes months, I would say, for every person in my life to really adjust, um, and I think, like, looking realistically and taking everything as a small victory is a good way to cope, and that's you know, a way I've been figuring things out. And like, now I've been looking forward because a big thing for me this year was struggling binding while golfing. Um, now, wait and- minute, how does that work? Cause doesn't that first off, wouldn't, how does that affect your swing? Oh, it's, I'm in pain when I play now. Um, I'm getting surgery in November. And so that's what I have to look forward to because I think that there is so much, and I, and I don't mean this to sound cocky in any way or to make excuses for my scores, um, but I think that I have so much potential to be better and to work on myself once I get to like take this big weight off my shoulders because I am constantly um, touching and aware of my chest while binding um in golf clothes because the way that the shirt falls it just like i i I have a very large chest and so even when i bind i get that binder bump that many trans guys know Mm -hmm. and um so i'm constantly aware of that binder bump and what i normally do to fix that is i would wear two loose binders that have different fits to create like a flatter appearance but that is already giving me rib pain back pain um binders are at least three layers um and so i i would like drenched in sweat you know i'm hot on the golf course and i'm still super aware of and focusing on um my chest dysphoria so i think like actually being able to go and throw a shirt on in the morning and walk out and just play a round of golf where I can spend more energy focusing on golf than I can dysphoria. I think that's going to be like life changing right there. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, congratulations on what's to come. Thank you. Before anything else. Cause I know, no, cause I know any affirm, every affirming step in is something that one, you really want it. And two, it's always a step forward. And I'm right there with you. Especially again on the part of the numbness, because I—that's something I know very well. I'm thinking like, oh my god, this kid was a fly on the wall in my life, and I was born well before he was. What was the reaction from parents when you came out and said, "No, I'm not the girl you thought you had. I'm the boy that you have." What oh. what, what was that? What was that interaction like? I ended up sitting down actually in one of these practice rooms with a friend and crafting a big email and sending that to my parents. Um, 
upon talking to them, I mean, I think it was a big shock. I think they were a little bit unsure of everything. Um, I mean, like my, my, my parents are progressive people, but I think most don't have the knowledge about the trans community and that's kind of the position that they were in. And, um, I think it's hard to like, look for these like perfect responses and stuff. Um, because that's so few people's experiences. Um, but definitely I like grew with my family from then. And I was like, am happy to say that my parents are 100% in support of me. Um, but you know, it does kind of take time to feel that and takes time for them to learn, um, and recognize and actually listen, um, and realize that like what may seem logical to them is a little bit different, or I guess to all cis people out there, like when you can't imagine what it is, the like best thing you can do to help support trans people is to literally just like listen and even if their experience or what they're telling you is like what i don't get that i don't understand you can still be like oh okay what can we do now you know and i think it it takes a little while to get there but that's how it is rio could you do me a favor say that part about listening one more time for the people in the back cis people it's okay. You're not going to understand trans people's experiences. Just have to validate and be like, okay, you do you and let me know what I need to do to make you feel good about yourself. And there's the red alert klaxon. That means we're going to take a break, give love to the sponsors. But when we come back more with Rio Pearlstein on what does he like to do when he's not golfing and what's it like to be a young trans athlete in the game in a time of backlash. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay Webb. Joining us this week, Rio Perlman, golfer at Milton Academy in Massachusetts, and a name to look out for in the game in the years ahead. There hasn't been a lot of pushback among fellow competitors. People, the other members of the tour, they're like, oh, that's Rio. He plays with us. No big deal. What yeah. was it like to get that level of acceptance from the people you play against? Um, there, I was honestly surprised by um, my responses. I had a friend who I had been previously really close with, and I was nervous out of my shoes um, for her knowing. And uh, it turns out that previously she met a trans person for the first time and learned about um trans people like six months before i came out and she has been the exact same friend to me since and so that was like a huge weight off my shoulders 
And, you know, I had two other friends who have a lot of queer friends. And so I, I knew I had those two people, like, backing me um, if anything were to go wrong. And then there were a lot of people that basically would didn't use my name or pronouns, but also, like, never had um, any anything against my participation, you know? Um, people weren't going to tell me I'm not allowed to play. Uh People did ask a lot of questions, which I'm okay with. I think, like, um, I'm, I'm in the position where I'm open and I'm trans, and it's all there for everyone. And so I'd much rather have people ask questions than say something that would hurt someone else just out of ignorance. So for the most part, I either I either got acceptance or there are just people that don't use my name or pronouns. But I would say the vast majority of people use my name and don't use my pronouns. When you're in that situation where they're getting the name right, but they're botching the pronouns, how do you deal with it? So I don't try to really instigate anything during golf tournaments um, because I think it's 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 hard because it's a you can be at least with the junior circuit up here playing for five and a half hours, and you need to be focused on your game for that entire time. And if I'm going to get into a conflict with someone, it's likely going to hurt me more than them. Um, so I don't really bring that up. I mean, there are a couple times where I like, I'm meeting someone new or something like that. And I'll say, oh, I use he, him pronouns, by the way, after they've continually used she, her. Um, or sometimes I'll throw something in, um, like, uh, the fact that like, right, like you were saying, I play, um, from like the girls tease, like in the girls part of co-ed golf um but like i'll say something like oh yeah my team is technically co-ed but we're all guys you know to to kind of let girls know that i use he him pronouns if i've never met them before mm -hmm. and otherwise i don't really say anything i just um trust that the few friends that i do have when they're playing with those same people um and conversation about me comes up because trust me it does and I hear that feedback all the time that they will use my correct pronouns and that hopefully you know um it'll spread a little bit what's your thoughts on all on all the heat that trans people are getting right now just for playing in their sport oh it's mm -hmm. awful it's awful I mean it, it's really tough I mean especially we're talking about kids sports teen sports too um recently a question that was brought up in one of my workshops at school was what is the point of youth sports and essentially the consensus that we came to was that youth sports are for team building healthy exercise um socialization learning skills like things like that finding what you love so there's absolutely no reason that anyone should be like even separated in 13 and under sports. And then as we kind of go higher, I understand that, yeah, there sometimes do need to be regulations in place. Um, I think there's a huge misconception on uh, trans women and why trans women are playing their sports. Um, people don't decide to transition because they want to win at something. I mean, if, if, if anyone has listened to one trans person ever, I feel like that is evident. Being trans is um adding so many obstacles just to daily life that no one would choose to be trans just to play their sport because it would cause more obstacles and even just playing the sport you know and so i think that really sports need to be 
going on a sport by sport basis. What are some of your goals for this for this season coming up? Uh, junior year and like I, like I said, the numbers speak for themselves. What are you looking to do this coming year? So I, I really hope to get back to nationals again. Going there, I really learned how to prepare for, for a tournament. I was super excited for that tournament. And I got my strack line books and I went through and at practice rounds, I checked over my plans. I knew exactly what club to hit at each point. And if these mistakes were made, all of that, I, I was in the great mental state for it. I planned out when all of my workouts were going to be leading up for it. And I went and I played some really solid golf. You know, I I wasn't, it was my first three-day uh three-day tournament and to throw now, together. Make sure I have this right. This was Pinehurst, right? Pinehurst, yeah. This was Pine tied for 33rd, 15 over 229, the 75 round that you had that was really, really good. Overall, not a bad outing. No, it was it was a great experience. Um I actually did run into some not great trans-related things there, but it was an awesome experience um, as my second ever national tournament going out and shooting 76, 78, 75. It showed me that I could do that at a national level and that under pressure, I actually do work better. Um, And then going home, playing that New England Junior Open and shooting 76, 73 right after as my following two tournament rounds, I gave myself, I think, a week and a half of a break between those two tournaments. And I, I showed myself that with the right preparation, I have agency over my game and I can play well. And um, I think like that is kind of how I want to continue my summer next year. I know I, I lost it a little bit um, towards the end as far as like this low, this low consistency. Um, I was a little bit less consistent as the, the summer moved on. I think there's... Um, more all moving around it's even hotter um and the the tournaments are all like kind of squashed together um it becomes more difficult to prepare for all of them and i just don't i think i got a little jumbled i didn't have the guidance really to to organize it um but i i guess i hope that next year i can come out i believe that i'll have a much clearer mind and so my goals are to play a national tournament um lower my scoring average i think i think three strokes is possible um and really just go out a big thing for me is having fun and shoot some low scores and love every minute of the game you know imagine if you will you're on the course you're lining your shot up and all of a sudden you hear that boy's cheating they should be playing with other boys if that has that hap- one has it happened to you to how would how do you think you'd respond if there was say a trans uh, a trans girl playing say in your group um, and they were and they were coming at her that way at her or coming at you that way yeah because you know some people don't know the difference between trans men and trans women that's just yeah that's this thing um so. I get steroid accusations, but I don't necessarily get told that, like, I'm more Steroid, wait a minute, steroid accusations? Yeah, so when I play, um, when I play high school season, I play at the girls' tees, um, so I have a distance advantage, um, I shouldn't call it an advantage, evening out, um, what the ISL deems as the biological advantage that males and females biologically, like, the difference there. Um, and so I'll walk out and 
hit and whatever. And um, for the girls division, I have a pretty long drive. I, I hit it about 260 yards, sometimes a little further, sometimes a little less. Um, and I swing it pretty fast. And that's just because I'm someone who enjoys going to the gym. And I work really hard on sculpting my game and also like finding a little bit of peace in my body. Um, but there are boys that then playing um, junior golf with my friend from school who also plays junior golf. Um, I think I've gotten maybe stared accusations twice where people are like, oh, it's so unfair that he gets the distance advantage. Um, kids totally on roids. No way that like females could hit it 260. He hits it further than I do and that just means that he's cheating blah 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 so I've gotten that a few times but I take it as a compliment well once I actually someone said basically that kind of thing to me and I was like wow if you think that I'm on roids you should see my friend Maya because this girl hits it further than I do <laughs> and the other times I, I just take it as a as a compliment I was like wow how misogynistic of you to not think that um girls can be great athletes and secondly Thank you for the compliment by saying that I'm a better athlete than you are. <laughs> and as for the transphobia, if someone was attacking like a trans girl in my group, I I think my big thing about most the transphobia against trans women is that people speak um, out of empty opinion. There's no facts backing it up, especially focusing on junior sports. If you're really going to attack a child, what does that say about you? I think that's what I would say. I mean, I've only had one really bad experience but it was just where it was where pair it's parents parents didn't allow me to use the restroom at pinehurst and i had to call the tournament director um to give me a ride to the bathroom because i was told to pee in the mm -hmm. yard so let me wait a minute let me get this right you were actually told you're walking into the boys bathroom you get stopped by a parent i was playing um at pinehurst during my round and I need to go to the bathroom and there are parent shuttles. Parents have golf carts to help kids. You know, if you're five holes away from the, the clubhouse, you're not going to be walking back to go to the bathroom because that's going to take a long time. So technically the golf carts are only for parents who are shuttling and for parents who um, are handicapped um, or have like physical disabilities. Uh Lots. Uh, it happened to be that my mom and only one other parent was walking at Pinehurst. All of the other parents had golf carts. Um, we get off of one hole and I'm like holding it in so bad. I'm like, I need to pee so badly. Can one of you um, take me? And it starts out with uh, one girl's grandpa being like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I can take you. And um, his daughter, the the player's mom, was like, no, you can't. Um, he can't go to the bathroom. He's not allowed to be in your cart. Um, and she's not gendering me correctly, but I always gender myself correctly when I'm speaking about myself. Um, mm -hmm. That's just something to note as I've talked about myself in the past um, throughout this. Um, and then a couple of the parents chime in that are like, just go pee in the woods. Meanwhile, there are no woods around. There are like a couple of trees next to a fence and there are just people's yards um, and I say, you know what, whatever, I can walk back. And I say to my mom, hey, mom, can you just like push my push cart up to the T's? And the parents at this point are like, 
no, A, you can't go, go to the bathroom um, in the woods, in, like, anywhere else, which I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm not a dog. You know, also, like, I, also, they know I'm AFAB. They're misgendering me. Um, there could be many reasons I could need to go to the bathroom. Uh, and they also know that um, it would not be based off of my anatomy, very easy for me to just pee on someone's lawn. Um, yet they're still going on. And basically I was like, okay, mom, can you take this? I'll go walk. My mom touches my cart. They said, oh, if you touch your kid's cart, it's a penalty. Um, and so they're saying my mom can't move my cart. And so I say, oh, okay. Can one of the kids move the cart? Whatever. There's a whole issue. I call the tournament director. The tournament director is like, yes, of course, parents can drive you to go to the bathroom. Any of them should drive you to go to the bathroom. He comes over, picks me up, goes to drive me to the bathroom. And I say to the girls in the group, hey, do one of you mind just pulling my push cart up so I don't have to like walk it um, when I come back? When I come back, they um, have finished like the next hole and my push cart is still on the last one. And so I had to grab it. And that wasn't a great experience. That was actually. Um, that was my last day when I shot 75 and that was one little hiccup where I had a bogey there. Um, and then I was able to get back into my own game and I block them out and keep going. My mind is still trying to process what I just heard that you had to go through all that. Just use a bathroom. How do you keep your mind rock solid to continue to play through that? Cause I, I don't think, I think if you did that to a touring pro, that's a double bogey or triple bogey waiting to happen at that next hole. If they had to go through all that. How were you able to still keep the focus? And how was it after the round ended? Oh, um, my focus, I think I, I have ADHD. Um, and as a kid, I would get so bored, well, I still do, of waiting for other people on the golf course. I I, lit I hate slow play. Like, it is awful. Um, and I would find that I would have my worst rounds when I was playing with slow players. Um, and I talked to my coach who was like, you need to, like, figure out what you're doing. Like, you can bring a notebook and draw. You can plan out your meals for the next week and just throw the paper out after. You can uh, write down all of the different colors of the leaves that you see. And so for me, I try to like pick things to think about. And once I get into like a story in my own head, it's not difficult for me to kind of get carried away with that. Um, so I think like kind of deflecting and learning how to deflect in like a way that works and then just really being able to center myself back into golf which you know has been something that is also tricky but now i i kind of um i just tell myself dial in rio and i say those three words and then i kind of ask basically for my brain to let all the other thoughts go i think about the shot i need to hit i think about the way the ball is going to react i do um my super fast warm-up routine because i i think that long ones are just going to screw you up more than anything else um, and I go and I hit the ball and I know that golf is a game and I, I think I'm just able to think realistically, um, just because of a lot of work that I've put in because of the struggles of just not having that attention. 
you know, to begin with. Switching gears since we're coming into the home stretch. I know you love golf and you're always working at your game. And I'm looking at your Instagram and you're in that gym. Oh yeah. That's one thing. This is 21st century golf. You are in that you are in that gym. Mhm. What are, what are some things you like to do away from the course and away from preparing to play? Um so I am really interested in like social justice, political science and law and all of that. Um, I think that like community engagement, activism and education are huge. And I really enjoy doing all of that. Um, I, I am someone who kind of goes back and forth into a bunch of different things. So I, I play a few instruments because I enjoy playing instruments. And honestly, that's not been something I've been doing in the past year or so, but there are things I, I can do when I want to go downstairs and, you know, play some guitar. Um, and I, I do like to work out a lot. Um, part of it is enjoyment. Part of it is, uh, like my physical goals. And then part of it is my golf goals. Um, and that like just dictates how I plan my seasons rather than my workouts. Um, and I, I, I'm a teacher's teaching assistant. Um, and I'm so happy. I just got my, my group for this year again at the Taylor teaching School. assistant. Yeah. So I, 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 I last year started with, um, volunteering as a teaching assistant, um, at an elementary school near my school. The kids are great. Um, and so I was a second grade recess lunch and recess monitor and a first grade writing tutor um and teaching assistant assistant in a first grade class and then I'm a barista at Starbucks um my free time too and I mean that's kind of how it goes for me I I, I like to do a lot of different things like I like hiking and music and I'll play any sport with any friend and I like drawing and painting and those are just things that I do when I feel like it, but that's kind of how I roll. Since you play a guitar and since I started guitar lessons, I want to know what's your go-to song? Oh, um, see, this is so bad. Cause the only thing I can think about, it's like the first song I learned was like, say you won't let go, but it's just, it's like sad. And then I also know like supermarket flowers, which is also sad. So I don't know. Depends on how I'm feeling. I like to just sit down and learn something and then I like never go back to it again. But oh, I learned how to play shallow. That was a fun one. What song what's your goal song? I don't know, honestly. Honestly, I don't know. Well, all I know is when you find that goal song, I want to bring you back and you gotta play it. it sounds like a plan. I'm definitely in. Exit question. Yes. All the things you've talked about and uh, and all the things that you've managed to do, get your transition going, build your path for yourself and do it. And, and in many ways, do it your way. What is your goal at the college level in this game? But also, where do you see yourself after, after that last round of golf, whenever that is? Even though there won't be any such thing as last round, I have a feeling you'll be playing this when you're 70 or 80. 
what for you, what is that ultimate goal in the game for yourself? And what kind of message do you hope to send about trans people through what you do in golf? So I, my, my mom has always said the ultimate goal of golf is, or any sport starting as a junior is to be playing when you're 50. Um, cause there are a lot of kids that because we're playing, um, at such an elite level where there's so much pressure, they just hate the sport. And I hear it all the time. Um, everyone hates the sport. I love it. I, I go out for spring golf and I just like, can't help but call my mom saying like, I am loving this. Like, this is so much fun. Um, and you know, she's never really pushed me. My, my dad has never really pushed me either in that sense. So I know that all of my golf comes like from me, from my own drive. And that's like really empowering. And so I guess I, I hope, um, to play collegiately. I want to be able to then receive some of that guidance from a college coach, learn more, um, improve my game in that time. But I know that I don't want to play pro. Um, I've known that since I was like eight. Um, I want to then get on with my transition and get on with my life and maybe I'll play some amateur tournaments here and there. Um, I hope I will. And like mass golf tournaments, things like that. The schedule of collegiate golf has seemed super appealing to me. I'm someone who likes to wake up early, um, go to my classes, go to the gym, go to practice, eat dinner, study, go to the gym again, you know, all of that. Um, so, so my, my, my goal is really to get that actual collegiate experience, um, really enjoy myself, learn more about myself, like as a leader and as a learner and figure out what I want to do, um, more broadly in the smaller occupations within the fields that I'm looking into and continue on, like loving the game and still getting the best of, um, competitive golf as I ever will. Um, as college golf finishes out. And I guess for, for everyone watching about the, or for anyone wondering about the, the trans piece of it, I think my goal is to humanize the trans experience. Um, I, I think that I made a huge statement. I just being this year, um, I was a shocker. All the, the thing I heard the most was, uh, probably boys from other holes that I maybe talked to on the green or something like that, seeing me walking up with a group of girls and being like, yo, I thought he was a dude, you know, <laughs> like that. Um, and, uh, I think like humanizing the trans experience, like making people realize that we're just people who are, who are living our lives and we're trying not to get, um, the necessity of a gender transition to like inflict so much change into our life, you know? Um, and to all of the like trans kids out there, I think like I I I realized that I'm in a position where maybe I could have a platform and that there's no one that has really been in my position that I've seen. And so I want to be the platform that if there's a kid, a teen an adult who has been or is in my position and needs someone to connect to, um, that I'm kind of there for them to be like, Oh wait, like he can do it. I can do it. Well, from the looks of things, you're off to a great start. And I'm glad that you shared a little bit of time with us this week. Real Pearlstein, thank you for being on the transporter room. And I'm going to tell you what, we're going to want you back. You also guitar solo here. Number one. 
And number two, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm going to hit you up for golf tips. Absolutely. Because if you if you're getting off the tee at 260, and if I'm lucky, if I'm getting off the tee at 140 on a good day, I'm going to have to talk to you about that. Because my tee my tee game's bad. Keep playing hard. By the way, when is your next tournament? Um, my next tournament is the 22nd and 23rd of October at the Ridge Club, actually, for the Ocean State Junior Championship. Well, good luck out there and good luck in the next season. I'm going to keep an eye on you and we're going to want you back. Thank so, Rio, you for having I know, me. I know you got to hit the gym right now, so I'm going to beam you back down to Milton Academy. And a special thanks to 17-year-old up-and-coming Rio Pearlstein for being on the transporter room this week. And before we go, a quick Carly's last call. And Rio said it best throughout this interview. That one word, human. Trans people are human. Trans people who play sports are human. No, real Pearlstein is not going to rise out of Boston Harbor and eat girls golf. The same way that Leah Thomas wasn't going to rise out of the pool and eat women's sports. The same way that no trans athlete is quote-unquote dominant. And hasn't been. At the gut level, this isn't about competition. At the gut level, ultimately, it's about you. It's about being human, or as I what I like to call that living thing. Transgender people just want to do that living thing. Nothing more. Nothing less. And we urge all of you to consider that as you play your sports, as you watch the news. And as you go to a ballot box in less than a month's time, think about it. That's the transporter room for this week. And just a reminder that if there's something you want to see, someone you want to see, or something you want to say about what we do here, please leave a message on our Twitter page and our Facebook page and at our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Remember everything I do. Here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you, the people who support us. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.